And now I'd like to introduce Dr. Flint McLaughlin. Okay, Sarah, thank you very much. We are moving to a very popular topic, judging by the amount of people who have registered for this event. Certainly one that's critical for almost anyone with an online business, and that is email marketing. It's a series of experiments, and actually we're going to be involved in optimizing emails on this call. We're going to do it live. I am going to take you through some case histories, and then I'm going to work through some experiments, and then I'm going to be engaging your own emails that you've submitted there's a number of you that have submitted. I can't say all of you, but if you're with uh, the Wharton MBA program, for instance, stay tuned because we're going to be looking at your emails and uh, several others that uh, have submitted. I think Hewitt Packard and some smaller as well as large companies. So stand by. Uh, earlier, we had many of you submit emails for us to optimize live, and we're going to talk about those once we've established some principles. This was originally going to be a one-part series. It is now a two-part series because of the overwhelming response and because of all the data sets that we've collected. This year is going to be a year full of experimentation here at Marketing Experiments. We have a very aggressive research calendar, and we hope to learn a lot. We'll be trying to share those findings with you. So what factors determine the efficacy or efficacy of online marketing email company? Email has become an extremely powerful marketing tool. According to stats that we have, U.S. firms spent $400 million in 2006. And um, our research has identified seven distinct factors related to email marketing and campaign effectiveness. I don't know. I was speaking at a recent event in Miami where I laid out a formula that we've been developing. It was still a provisional formula. We're still testing in our email marketing uh, certification program, we're going to be teaching the final version of that formula, and some of these distinct factors are connected closely with that. In this brief, we share the findings of our research on email copy effectiveness, and we show you how to write an effective email offer. We will tell you more as we proceed. I should introduce a few of the key people from our staff. Uh, Jimmy Ellis is online right now, who is the Director of Optimization in our group. Many of you know that Jimmy has been on calls like this for several years. He is remarkably effective at improving conversion. And, uh, Jimmy, if you're able to hear my voice, because I know you were logging in as I was talking, would you say uh, they're in lecture mode? Okay, everyone's in lecture mode at the present moment. Uh, Jimmy should be logged in uh, as an administrator. Uh, I want to hear from Jimmy, and also Nick Osborne uh, may be in on this call. Yeah, and good, Nick. It's good to hear your voice. And uh, many of you know that Nick is an expert in copywriting and email and is a friend, and I'm glad to have him involved. And uh, so let's please just get into the research. I have other staff members. I'll just kind of introduce them as they talk. I'm sure that what you're most interested in doing is getting into the data. And uh, let's look straight away at a case study. So here it is. We ran a split test sending out two versions of an email to our own subscribers. Most of you on this call, in fact, everyone on this call should have received this email. We actually turned the email itself into a test. We designed one email with good copy, the other with comparatively bad copy. Now, that's, that's only a determination that we can make directly after the test. And I wouldn't so much say as it is the copy itself, but the arrangement of the copy. 
which is very critical. I think all too often we are more focused on all too often we are just more focused on the actual copy itself rather than the order or the presentation of the copy. It's the sequence with which this copy enters the mind of your reader that so often has uh, impact on its uh, effectiveness. It's not just the words you say or the sentences you form. It's the order of those sentences. It's the, the sequence in which they uh, are presented. In this experiment, we were looking at that sequence, and you'll see two versions, email A and email B. Take a moment and look at the beginning of email A and look at the beginning of email B. We're going to let you look at email A for just a moment longer. It's not the whole email. You won't need the whole email because the primary differences are only in the beginning. Actually, I want to just stop for just a moment as I move through this. These invitations that I'm discussing are coming in the next data set. Look at this particular copy. This is a good and bad copy illustration, frankly, I think, having having looked at the order. I shifted the order of this just this morning, and Bob Kemper is running in here to make sure that I that, that, that I say that. I'm going to show you the invitation that we sent in its entirety in the next set. Right now, I just want to measure the effectiveness between two levels of copy. So if you look at email A and you look at email B, both of these were sent. Let's go to email B. Take a good look at email B. And uh, and now, if you're looking at those, you may want to ask yourself right now, which one of these emails do you think performed the best? Clearly, there's a difference in the in the top of these two emails and in the way they establish the beginning of the conversation. All right? So you've seen email B. Let's switch back to email A, Allison. Now you're looking at email A, and you should see the subject line, key paragraph, leading up to the greeting. All right. And at this point, just take a moment. We're watching. Use the question and answer feature to please submit to us which email you think had the most effective conversion rate. Now, I recognize that there are components. We're looking here at CTR, click-through rate. Email A or email B, which one was the best? I see someone, a parish, saying it's B. Just go ahead and vote. I'm watching your votes. I find this very helpful, by the way. It helps me get a sense for what the audience is thinking. Now, here come a whole slew of emails. I'll just start reading this. You get a sense of which one is the most. B, A, B, B, A, B, A, A, B, 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 A, B, 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 A, B, A, B, B, A lot of Bs. I'm down here. Let me just give a few first names only. Uh, I see Yulia at B, next to Zachary at B, Mike at B, Candace at B, Tom at B, Tom at B, Kristen at B, and Ryan at A, and then there's uh, Lisa at B. Let's look at the two and see the difference. Now, bear in mind that something needs to be emphasized right at the outset of this, and that is that marketing is testing, as we understand it, and we believe you shouldn't speculate, you should test. 
course, it's better to speculate than to conduct an invalid test, and we teach about that in our certification programs. Within our own organization, we also voted, or at least had opinions as to which email was the best. Here's what we discovered. Allison's going to take us to the results. If you'll notice the table, email A yielded a 49.5% higher click-through rate than email B. Now, clearly, that raises a question. And the question is, what is it? What is it about this particular email, B, that caused it to perform so much weaker than A? And we could go back and look at those two emails and we could speculate. But in the end, I think that's the reason all of us are logged on to the phone. We're trying to answer this question. How do we write effective emails? And I'm shocked. Really, email, I think, emphasizes even more than direct mail does the importance of copy because email is so immediate. I mean, when you design a direct mail piece, we, do, we send out direct mail every month. And when you design a direct mail piece, it's sometimes... You, know, you have a significant cost investment and a long delay between when you conceive of the piece and when you actually get the results and the data in and can actually pronounce you know, the, the verdict, so to speak, on the test. But an email, within a few hours, sometimes within an hour, we have back instantly the differential. And it's being sent to lists under identical conditions with far less delay. And because of that, it's shocking to me to see how the difference in a few words can have such an impact on someone's profit margin. So let's learn something from that. Let's, let's focus on some of these variables. And now we're going to move to the invitation from the clinic. We're going to go through three of these uh, uh, sets, the first set being this clinic and then another campaign and then your submission. So let's go again. So here are the facts. We conducted a split test sending out two different versions of the email invitation to the clinic that you're attending right now. Half of our subscribers received an email with the very familiar web clinic invitation appearance at the top, followed by the offer to participate. Now, the offer to participate we thought is very important because we were giving you a chance to send your emails in, to submit those emails, and to get you know, a professional analysis of those emails in a way that might help you in the future. And as we expected, there was a strong response to that. Uh, and and many hundreds of people registering for this program. However, the other half of our subscribers received an email with the offer to participate at the very top. And internally, we asked the question here, do we send out the traditional clinic mailing, and do we then put down in the middle the opportunity to participate by sending in emails, or do we put that special opportunity to participate by submitting your emails at the top of the invitation as a hook to get people interested and excited because we knew that that would be a very uh, appealing uh, offer, offer for some people. Uh, we actually sat in a meeting here discussing which would be best, and of course, since we didn't know precisely, we tested. Here's the emails themselves. Now, you need to look at this one. I mean, this is worth looking at. This is the email you would probably typically see in your inbox inviting you to attend a clinic like the one we're in right now. And I'm going to note on the right-hand side, it's pointing out a couple of key things. There's the standard clinic invitation, and then in the second 
group is a special participation offer. And then we continue with the standard familiar clinic invitation copy. If you just are watching that, we're going to go to the next email and we're going to show you what we did that was different. Then we opened with a key line, participate in this clinic. We opened with the special participation offer and then we moved to the primary familiar clinic invitation copy. Take a moment and look at that. I'm going to go backwards in a second, Allison, and let them see the old one and the new one. All right, let's let's go to A again. Take a look at A. Again, if you're thinking about this, the big difference is where we place the invitation to submit email copy. All right, now let's go on and to the next slide. So we ran a test and you were participants in that test and essentially you're looking at a table that doesn't have the data. I want to ask you now to think about this. Now, I, I want this to be a learning experience for all of us, so I want you to vote this time, but as you vote about which one you would pick, version A or version B, I'd like you to also vote and then place a reason, you know, just a phrase that tells us the primary reason why you think one will outperform the other. You've got to understand that your answer isn't necessarily wrong because this is only one test and it might well be in other instances your logic proves right, even if you pick the wrong email. In the end, the answer is, of course, to test. But I'm, I'm looking for your thoughts. Uh, interesting. I'm going to read some of these. There's some really good insights coming in. I'll start to read them now. They're, they're coming in very rapidly. Um, someone says, A, my eye knows where to find the information I need because the format is familiar. Someone says, B, because that, ex that explains why it's worth my time. That was Greg. Someone said, A, Brian said, because, again, I'm familiar with MEC emails and invitations. Someone said, B, because it pulls people in with a special offer. Uh, someone said, B, because the offer at the top is different from usual emails you send me. It caught my attention. Someone said, B, and then they said, what's in it for me? I want to know that first. Someone said, A, because it's not asking you something right away. Someone says, B, the email actually offers something. And on and on the list go. Uh, someone said, B, I scan text first. If the offer is interesting, I read the entire message. Someone said, uh, A, it's because of credibility and familiarity. These are good answers. Uh, and uh, just for one moment, because there have been several requests, Allison, go backwards and show us the two emails for just a moment longer, and then we're going to move on. Flint, hi, it's Nick. Yes, Nick, go right ahead. Can I jump in with an observation that was kind of Please. triggered by, by one of the comments from from someone there? Yes, please go right ahead, Nick. I think it's worth keeping in mind that as, as we look at the – somebody made the point is that about familiarity with the MEC emails and offers that come into his or her inbox. And I think that's a factor that we need to always keep in mind when 
when writing emails and even when testing emails. Like if you run a series of tests, um, it would be quite interesting to test an approach against a list that is familiar with you and against a list that has never heard of you before because some, 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 some companies are faced with that, of, of emailing to lists where there isn't a, an established relationship of, of trust and familiarity. I, I think that can be quite a factor, uh, not only in response, but also in how you write your email. Yes. Yes. Interesting. Someone here, here said, Nick, they missed the offer entirely due to familiarity with the MEC email. You know, I know that when you as, a, as an email marketer are planning a campaign and you're faced with the same question that we're raising here, you grapple with the kinds of things that Nick is talking about. Don't want it be better if it's familiar? And someone else will be thinking, yes, but they're liable to go right through it or not read it to the end because they're familiar and they'll just skip to the part they're used to seeing. And someone else in the group will argue, you know, yes, we need to kind of give them something they're used to seeing. Otherwise, they won't even start to read it. They're going to think it's an ad or junk mail. I mean, on it can go. The only real answer is to test. But I think there's a lot you can learn so that the first email you write out of the gate is, is as effective as possible. And, Nick, in particular, uh, I'm going to be going through these emails, and we can hone in on that together. Uh, let's, let's look right now at uh, the results. Email invitation A yielded a 55% higher participation rate than email invitation B. That is to say, the standard copy at the top as opposed to the special offer at the top. Now, I think I would like to point out some caveats about that. Number one, we had to cut the test off before it was completely done. Uh, I mean, it was <laughs> there was you know major results but i'm just saying that submissions were coming in you know and continue to come in even after the deadline but two i'd like to point out and nick you may have a thought on this but i think what you're seeing here is a bit of a reflection of what's happened in email and general on the internet i think that trust has become more important than appeal i think in the old days of email copy uh when spam was not so prevalent as people read more of their email and there was a bit more naivete or less, at least a bit less abuse taking place on such a widespread basis, there were things that worked that, you know, don't work as well. Now, I'll give you an example. I use really valuable space at the top of email now very often to tell people who I am and why they're getting the email from me meaning the organization. I'll spell it out really clearly in a way that I didn't have to before because I find conversion goes down unless I do. you have any thoughts on that, Nick? Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right with regard to trust. Um, I think any kind of email campaign or newsletter campaign is a – I mean, one's, one's list and ongoing communications can become a huge asset so long as you maintain and build trust and don't betray it. Um, I'm still fascinated by these observations about familiarity. And in a way, I think it's like any relationship. You know, familiarity has its plus side and its minus side. You know, that's why we take each other out for dinner once a month, things like that. So, so familiarity and trust is a huge asset, but at the same time, I think we need to surprise and delight our readers from time to time as well to kind of refresh the relationship 
And yes. so that they yes. think next time they get an email, it's not going to be the same old, same old. But, hey, it's from these guys I trust. I generally know what they're going to be sending me. But, hey, I'm going to read this because sometimes they surprise me. Well, I think that's I think that's absolutely right. And I, I'm going to move on because of our time, but it's a valuable point, and it connects to something else. I think in terms of conversion, I think that clarity trumps persuasion. I discussed this in my last clinic. I think that's a vital point today. Uh, I think in my own site and all kinds of sites that I review, in many cases, clarity is the real issue. It's not your ability to persuade. But that connects, and it's worth talking about as we proceed. Let's proceed because of our time. Uh, Net Detective is the next uh, example. This is an online subscription-based people search product that offers both a standard level and an upgraded monthly subscription. By the way, some of you or our students out there are sending me questions, is that test valid based on the number of responses? It's not the number of responses per se as it is the differential. It's the number of actions. That test yielded those results with a 75% confidence interval as opposed to our 95% interval that we would typically go for. Later, we may be teaching you how to judge whether you can reduce the confidence interval or utilize Bayes' theorem to make that. I'm only going to just say that in passing for those of you that are advanced and are running the numbers on that test, trying to make certain that you achieve validity. The fact that you're even asking shows that the Internet is moving forward in this area. So here's Net Detective. This is a new case. They have an email. Its purpose is, and this is very important, to encourage purchase of standard product upgrade. How many of us on the phone are trying to do that? Either an ancillary sale, a cross-sale, or an upsell. This is the email they sent. Now, by the way, this is not one of our submissions. This is an email I want to use as an example to teach you with, and then we're going to drill down into the submissions. We found that Here's the email. The paragraph that it's pointed out here implies that the product they already bought might not have worked. You need to be careful about that. Many times the way you upsell has a negative or a reverse implication that the reason you need to buy the upsell is because something's wrong with the product they just bought. Back to Nick's point on trust, if you've already sold them a product that's insufficient, why would they buy a product for you that is – well, why would they buy anything else from you at all? And so be careful about your wording there, and we've found this to be a problem. Let's go on and look. Besides, there are many other problems. I'm only going to point to a few. Um, down at the second paragraph at the bottom, the length of the paragraph is too long. The iPad needs to be very short, very clean, very simple. The bullet points are better up above, but there's still much more you can do to improve this email. Keep going. This paragraph is also too long, and, uh, and they're listing the price and trying to sell the product in a paragraph. The goal of the email is to get a click. Just get the click. Sell on the next page. And if you are going to sell, don't try and do it in one long, difficult-to-read email. Now, having pointed that out as some of the key problems, let's look at solutions that cause this email to perform exceptionally well. Now you're going to see the same email, and you're going to see how we began to work on it. Number one, we provided specific information. They had done some of this already, and we... we Change slightly how it displays, but here's the key. The customer name and the order number are at the top. What is that about? The same thing that you saw in the previous test. In some sense, it establishes familiarity. It's not the same exact familiar form, but it is the fact that they realize there's a very specific reason they're getting this and they're reminding them. You're appealing to familiarity. 
you're reminding them that they are a customer and if this is a email with a purpose besides you know the typical spam that hits their inbox we do it again in the next piece you see where we remind them that they recently purchased we do it in the first sentence underneath the dear customer piece we do not use their first name unlike many who do because we do not always have the fields broken out properly and we do not want their first name to come across in this email as a canned automated uh, you know form fill it's done way too I mean it's one of those things that worked many years ago and now it's overused and insincere we have their name up top but that's probably a full name and we don't want to call them by their full name in the in the opening so we just call them what they are they're a customer calling them a customer reminds them also that they purchased before now we've we've punched up we've used color only in two places and in this case in the body only once uh, but they have essentially emphasized this in the iPath with this new piece. Then we reference the specific time and cost associated with the information here. This is the email we sent back to them, and they filled this in. We wanted people to understand with a quantified, not a qualified statement, but a quantified statement, and not a, I would say a quantifier as opposed to a qualifier. After X hours or X months or X years or after $784,000 in research or $26 million in our, uh, we finally developed a new state-of-the-art search tool that offers the following advantages. That, that is so much more effective than bragging about how fast or good or powerful it is. Uh, is that a question you're showing me, Allison? Yes, that's a, that's a that is a. Someone's asking, what about the subject line, red and spam filters? That's a good point, and I can tell you that um, that in some cases I would recommend against the red. If, email us privately, and I'll lay out for you the context and why this isn't red at this point. But it's a valid point worth bringing up. All right, let's look at the. Next thing, by the way, the bullet points, we change them. They address the main frustrations with the regular version of the product. We have identified through surveys what the primary frustrations were, why people canceled when they did cancel because it is a subscription offering. And what we've done now is identified those frustrations and turned them into the reason why for the upgrade. Go on to the next page. If you'll look at this paragraph, now we do something that's so vital. We clarify the difference between the core product and the upgrade. I don't know how many times I look at upgrades in an email or on an offer page, and I can't tell the real differences between the first and the second. And again, it brings back to the principle that we discussed earlier. You may not be the most persuasive copywriter in the world, but almost any one of you can be a clear copywriter. And if you can write clearly, you can still achieve much higher conversions than the average marketer. Here the point is to make it very clear what the difference is. I'm not saying that can't be improved, that paragraph, but uh, please understand that point. Now, all we do then is ask for a click. We ask for a click to try and get them to the site where we can make the real pitch. Then if you look at the at the something else we did, you'd have to see the old email, 
they were using a different name other than the actual .com that they were visiting because this is a company with a parent and subcompanies, and it creates absolute confusion. It happens with us because MEC Labs is the parent company for marketingexperiments.com, and because the media has picked up both of those names, we're experiencing a brand confusion that we shouldn't allow to happen. In this case, we made very certain that this email came from a familiar domain. Also, we use the PS just like in direct mail, and in our case, we wanted to get them an extra reason to go back to the actual site or to click. When we get them to the site, by the way, I'd have had to click in the PS also. I'd have had a link in the PS. I'd have had discounted trial offer as a link. You can improve what we've done here all the way through with another pass. And then we want to make certain that the landing page coordinates very closely, very closely in terms of its opening language, its headline, to this concept of a discounted trial offer. If we do not do that, there will be a disconnect between expectations, and this costs you when it comes to conversion. Let's move on. All right, so there's some principles that we've begun to talk about um, that you can see from this particular email. One of them is the subject and the envelope field that you've got to use the fact that it's been recently purchased product and the name was included in the subject in order to improve the open rate. This was done because clearly uh, it will impact conversion. Then we use specific information about them, their name and order number, early in the message to reinforce that there's an existing relationship. We shorten the paragraphs to hold interest and keep the momentum moving down the page towards the call to action. I think we would have planted a link earlier in the paragraph copy as well as at the bottom of the paragraph copy. Then we included a sense of urgency in the postscript with a special discounted trial offer. I think I could have punched up the urgency also. As long as you can do it honestly, the greater the urgency, the greater the return. And I'm going to teach all about that in the next session. I'm going to show you charts and graphs and how we do it and what we've discovered. Now, that's just some findings from this particular email. What we're going to do now is turn to the emails that have been submitted to us, and we're going to start looking at those live. And so I'm going to let uh, Allison bring up the first one, and we're all going to start to take it apart. While that email is coming up, does anyone have questions they'd like to submit? There. Does anyone have questions? Okay, those are coming in. Are we focusing only on text emails? We are not focusing only on those. Just a second. All right, let me just get the rest of the questions. Uh, no, we're going to be looking at all kinds here in just a moment. Um, can we get copies of the slides? We, we are going to be releasing the whole briefing uh, in about a week, and you should have received a briefing out today. You're all members of the list. The, the briefing today was on ad nativity, actually making ads work based on the context. It's a, it was a very popular uh, clinic, and the brief has got some really rich data in that, so you should be able to get that. In the meantime, we're looking at an email that we're going to try to work on together. And um, I think that it is from the Wharton School. Now, I want to tell you how we've done this. We're going we're gonna to optimize it live. I'm going to get your input. I have not created slides, and I've only seen this in a flying glance as I prepared. I felt it would be better to do it with you live as opposed to uh, work it all out in advance. So those of you that are looking at this particular email, I'd like you to submit to me right now what you think would be the first 
change that you would make, the top three changes you'd make to this email? All right, I'm watching those come in. I don't know. Okay. All right, here they're coming in. Someone says personalize it. Someone says get rid of the second column. There's lots of good thoughts coming in. Too much info. Someone is saying. All right, so Nick, I'll let you weigh in. You're looking at this while people are talking. And Jimmy, feel free to jump in and speak also. Go ahead and give us your thoughts. Well, what would you do, Nick? Uh, well, and again, I'd, I'd preface all my comments by saying whatever I say, we'd have to test it. I mean, my, 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 my first inclination that corresponds to that comment you had about the right hand column. Yep. And. You know, this, this, I would make this look more like an email and less like a web page, because uh, at the moment it looks like a web page. That said, if we tested it and this one beat a letter version, I probably wouldn't be that surprised, because if our purpose, if the purpose of the email is to secure a click through to the site, then the first... You know, the first half of the first screen of this. Speak just a little louder, Nick. People are having a hard time hearing you, friend. I'm sorry. If I – one strength this does have, like I say, my instinct is immediately to turn it into a letter rather than a web page. But I think a strength the page does have is that it has those four red links within the first half of the first screen of the email. So if the, if the decided purpose of this email – is not to pre-qualify or to pre-sell, but simply to secure a click through to the Wharton website, then maybe this, maybe this email did well. I don't know. Uh, like I say, I think after working with marketing experiments for a long time, I get, I get a little suspicious of my own immediate instincts to do something. <laughs> and I pause <laughs> and think, well, if I tested this, I wonder what would happen. So, so my my subjective feeling is that it looks too much like a web page. It's two columns. It's uh, where a lot of our learning has shown us that one column is better, but it has those four strong links early on. So, so I'd be prepared to be surprised. I think this might have done quite well. All right. Well, I I I'm looking at the email, and my understanding of this email is that. It's sent to someone who is a potential lead as an MBA candidate, and that they're wanting you to actually, as it says, explore the Wharton MBA for executives. Which is, by the way, is a very good use of link text. It is and a good they use. They included of the word "explore the" rather than just making Wharton MBA for executives a link. Yes, yes. They they essentially highlighted the action part of this statement as opposed to just the 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 object of the action, which is a good point when you're doing links. But I would like to say that if that was the goal, I'm not so certain that I would – this is what I would test and this is what I would bet on in terms of research best practices. We do want to get a link. We do want to get a clue. What Nick said is right. But if you're a busy executive getting an email from the Wharton MBA, I don't know that it's going to be effective to get a brochure 
in the in in your inbox, which is essentially what we're looking at. Indeed, what would get me to click and what I think we would find to click is a very personalized note from a real person from the Wharton School of Business responding to your interest and inviting you to explore further and seeding it with two or three of the most important things you might have a curiosity about regarding the MBA. I would I would opt for a personal note from a real professor who or a, a real leader. And I know it's hard to get those people to sign off on, an, on, on the email, but that's the optimum. You know, the chairman of the uh, of the MBA program saying, you know, dear so-and-so or dear candidate. Candidate's a good opening, you know, because uh, dear MBA candidate, uh, we, it says we recently learned of your interest in pursuing an MBA through information provided by the Graduate Management Efficient Search Service. Um, I would take the word congratulations on your strong performance on the GMAT, and I would make that my second sentence and stand it alone. I might even start my paragraph with that. If I started the paragraph with congratulations on your strong performance on the GMAT, they would know immediately that this email was connected to something that they have just done. It emphasizes achievement. It, it starts relationship, and it suggests the reason why they're getting this to begin with. On that basis, I would probably respond with text that went something like this. Um, you know, as the director of XX, uh, I personally, I, you know, I wanted to personally uh, congratulate you on your such and such and or personally invite you to explore the program here at, at Wharton. And then I would just drive it into a few key text links talking about Wharton, and I'd have a short email designed to get them to click through because I still think, and Nick, this is just me thinking, I think this page is still doing too much heavy lifting. I think what it's doing is getting, uh, you know, it's requiring you to basically wade through a brochure in, in lateral format as opposed to vertical. But Nick is completely right. All of this needs to be tested. But what I think I should be asking you, Nick, and everyone that's participating, is to help me design the B version. Because we can assume they have an A version. That's the one they've sent us. So if you were designing a B version, what would you do? And as a B version, I'd make a personal note. I'd tie this in to their congratulations uh, and I would uh, drive them into the site itself where I would do the rest of this work. It's too much selling. I, I agree. If, I, if we're going to do a B version to this, I would do as you described, um, and I would certainly personalize it from a real name. And I'm assuming the value of a lead is fairly significant for this organization, so I would also add more contact information in terms of if you'd like to speak to someone, please call 1-800, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, we can come back. We can talk about this further. I want to continue to move on because as simple as that prescription is, I think it actually provides a blueprint for a B version that, that should really be tested well. And if, uh, since you submitted this, if uh, the people from Morton are online and they want to take a stab at the B version and send it over to our group, We'll take a look at it and make suggestions as a courtesy to you about how to actually optimize that B version for its, you know, yield potential. With that in mind, I think we should go to another email. And again, let's try and design a let's try and design a B version for testing. For that person and for several that ask, are we looking at text only? Uh, clearly, <laughs> we're not. Uh, this is quite colorful. Uh, pull up the questions a little higher for me, Allison. And if you would, I'd like you to talk to me. I was reading very carefully some of your thoughts on this last point. And Nick, when you do speak, I'm having a lot of people saying it's a little harder to hear you. Just speak up a bit more if you would. 
And then while you're doing that, uh, or while Nick is preparing, let me hear your thoughts. Someone said, this is a brochure sent by email. The offer is small and lost. Everything, uh, no strong call to action. Way too much eye candy. Graphics are too dated. Needs prices. Someone says, lacks eye path. Looks much like a catalog, not like an email. Way too busy. I don't see any incentive. Too many, there's a lot of too many pictures. No call to action. It's, we're starting to repeat. Um, here, we're looking at an email, and Allison, scroll down, up and down, and let them see. Many more responses are coming in. Let them see it again all the way to the bottom. All right. Nick, what's your B version? Well, I just want to comment on this one first, and I'm going to be a little contrary, contrary on this. Well, I, I want to make a point is that, is that before we judge any kind of email, uh, you, you have to keep in mind the list and what people signed up for, because some people sign up for exactly this kind of thing. They don't sign up for a chatty, personal, um, you know, exploration of making cookies and cooking and stuff like that. What they want is exactly what you see here. So if the expectation was set when people sign up that this is the kind of thing they're going to receive, then it's fine. Now, I'm not saying that means that one should never test it, um, but I think before we rush to judgment, we always have to consider what did our list sign up for? What are their expectations? Because this may be exactly what they wanted to receive when they signed up, if that's the expectation that was set. Uh, the only other comment I made, which I'm, I'm, I'm sure jumped into your mind when somebody said, show me the prices, no, don't show me the prices. <laughs> don't. Everything, everything I've ever tested in, tested or been involved with testing is the minute you put prices on this, you're gonna, your response is going to drop. What you're doing here is you're peaking curiosity so that people click through on a, to a particular one of those images, and then, uh, then when you actually get to the final offer page and lower down on the offer page, you then show the price. In terms of a B version, I would probably do um, – Maybe not quite such a, a letter version in terms of design because we, I'd still want to include some of these images because this, I think, is what this list are, are buying. This is the kind of stuff they like and want. Um, but I would make it much more personal. In fact, I received this morning a, a, an email, which is – I do it exactly like the one I received this morning, which is all about, in fact – um, like fruit cocktail drinks, and they do a wonderful newsletter. They have three or four images like this, but the text is incredibly personal, um, and, and and you just enjoy reading it because you can you, you just know that a, that a person who's passionate about that business wrote it and that it's dying to tell you about all these great things. Um, so I would add more text, make it very personal, um, and seek to build a a relationship, as it were, of one voice to one voice, as well as showing people what they want. Yeah, I still, I would agree with, I I don't know how many people sign up just to get, you know, a, a brochure slash catalog page, but it, uh, even if they signed up asking for information about products, I would expect conversion would still be higher if um, some of the most important research-tested best practices were being applied. And so I think what Nick says is valid. Somebody said a question, Nick, 
they said that click through goes down, but does conversion go up if you if you suggest price? Not I would like to answer that that's a good point, but it's probably more relevant when you're dealing with a a paid search marketplace where you're paying for the clicks and the email. Um, since typically the click through is not how you're being billed, and, unless you are in a way that I don't know. Uh, I would you're not paying by click with the email. I would get as many as possible to a well-designed offer page where you can absolutely control the presentation. You can't control what email is going to display like nearly as well as you can. Some, some, some time ago, I was involved in a very large test on this exact topic with uh, with AOL uh, of like where to show the the price, and, and the answer to all of those questions is no, 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 no. Show the price at the end, right at the end of the sales process. As soon as you bring it up further, and, and no, it doesn't. Well, in, in, certainly in that case, and it was a very large test against millions of people. Um, uh, it, it did not increase conversions. The, everything that was learned said push the price back, back, back as close to the end as you can. I I I would also suggest this. I mean, I want to just I want to get really critical of it now, but I don't. I'm sure that people are engaged on the line. And uh, I and I don't I don't want to uh, I want to get critical because I want to help you. If I was designing B version and it, and it was in this style, a few things would happen. Number one, I still would give it an iPath. Number two, I'd still give people a clear identity of who you are at the beginning of the email, why they're getting this email. Kitchencrafts.com is lost at the bottom right hand corner. Number three, I'd open a dialogue. I'd point to the links. I'd have. If I had a link, I'd make sure it was clear there was a link, and most importantly, I'd give a person a reason why they should click through. It's just not clear. I just don't think that seeing little spring pie topper cutters is enough reason for me to click through and visit your website. And I even underneath that's that, because you're not on yeah. the list. What's that? I said that's because you're not on the list. You're not the target. Well, no. The point is, I can get spring. I can get those lots of places. Why am I going to click on your email? You're, you're the. You know, I got 30 today. If I'm on your list, I'm on others. And if I'm on all those other lists, why in the world do I, you know, you're still competing, not in a vacuum. You're competing against other people out there who are making offers all the time. And there's not one thing about this email. It's not like those products are so extraordinarily unique that I'm going to click because I've never seen a Tupperware shopping store before. I need a reason to click. And I don't think it's compelling. And uh, I don't have a relationship. I don't know who you are. I don't have a good reason to click. And even if I were going to click, I don't know where to start. Uh, so, you know, that's my quick summary. I think moving on will be helpful. Again, I'll look at this again from someone who wants to resubmit this, and if you've got questions or thoughts from that company, let us know. You know we don't want to insult anyone. We just want to get to the bottom line and think about things that might help you with conversion. So Allison's pulling up another one for us. Is this is this the same organization? Scroll down, Allison. Nick, yeah, this is KitchenCrafts.com, but I bet you it's the same group because I'm I'm seeing right now my favorite little pie top cutters. Yeah, and you got prices this time. And now I got prices, so I'm not sure. But um, here we are looking at this piece, and uh, uh, I want to suggest that this one is probably worse than the last one. Yes, I agree. And uh, and if you're online and you're thinking about this, I want you to know I'm watching these things all coming in. And I can tell there's some very smart people on the phone because I see your name and your comments. And 
really, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just reading your comments and pretending they're my ideas. <laughs> uh, keep submitting your thoughts about this page. Let's just identify the top five problems. Nick, or no, let me hear from Jimmy first. Jimmy, Ellis, can you speak? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can. Go right ahead. <laughs> Jimmy's director of optimization. What do you think are the top problems here, Jimmy? Well, my my first thought is I have no idea what the email is about except for the pictures. But the, the horizontal, or sorry, the vertical gadgets galore, text, and then the, the the stuff in the green doesn't make sense. Nothing looks clickable. So my one thing is I don't know what is a link on this page, period. I don't know if I can click on the images. I don't know if I can click on the black. I don't know if the prices are clickable. Uh, the only thing that might be clickable to me is maybe the see more gadgets at the very bottom of that center green, and that's after I've kind of scanned the page and looked around and said, oh, okay. But it, it's back to a lot of the things that happened on the previous page. Previous page, you got your kitchencrafts.com on the bottom right. So I have no idea if I wanted or I signed up or wanted to get this email or not. So we still don't have any of this, you know, you receive this email because you signed up for X email list or X specials list or something related to kitchen craft. If you would put information such as when they signed up for the list or any personal information like, like the last time that they visited and actually put the, the date of their last visit to the website or the date that they signed up for the list, little things like that will instantly say, oh, I remember signing up for this. Oh, these are the specials for cooking utensils that I've been looking for. Um, but one thing that, that I like to do with almost all the emails that, that I've help put together is I like to just simplify almost everything I possibly can. And on this one, I just don't see everything's evenly weighted. There's no clear objective. But even more than that, it goes back to help, uh, what I would call helping the customer make a buying decision. Why should I buy one those particular utensils? For example, the collapsible silicon measuring cups, top left. I mean, there's a bazillion measuring cups. Tell me why the collapsible silicone types are better. You could say, are they best rated, most functional? Are they the lowest price of silicone measuring cups? Give them, help them make the buying decision so they don't have to shop around and figure out if this one is the best one to buy or if some other one on a, one of the other 10,000 cooking sites uh, it actually has a better product. So there's nothing on here that tells me that. It just says, hey, we got them, and that's okay. it. And, and hey, we got them. Jimmy? These days. Yeah. You're nailing it. And, and but I'm I, what I want to do is I'm looking at my time and more emails, and I just think we've looked at two that are similar. Let's go to something completely different. Yeah. Uh, everything you said is vital. I just want to do everything I can to help the people I have online. I'm just weigh in now as we move to the next one. Nick, I'm sure you'd have much to add to that. Uh, I'm going to move rapidly through another one. Uh, we're going to drive it over here, and then we're going to look at something from uh, from HP. Yeah, send this one. Over. All right, here we are. All right, so here's another email. Take a look at this one, guys. How to protect yourself from fake 10 golden rules. There's a logo. The logo in this email, I, clearly this is a mock-up as it came to us. Um, Nick, let's just do the top five problems with this. If you were going to do a B version, you'd address five problems. What are they? Well, first of all, I'd need to understand, the, the again, the purpose and the list and the history of the list, um, you know, and the, and the purpose of the individual emails. I would always, whenever, this, this strikes me as, as more of a, of a kind of newsletter approach than an email approach. We've got a featured article followed by wholesale news and views. I would, uh, at first glance, describe this as a newsletter rather than an email. 
uh, I don't see a uh, I, don't, I don't see it selling. Maybe there's something on the right in terms of the well, no, tomorrow on the right is a newsletter sponsor. Um, okay, well that's curious in itself. I would I, I, I would on this. I think if it was gonna, if it if it is a newsletter format, is I think all newsletters like this benefit enormously from an introduction from the editor. Um, so that again, you get that sense of uh, personal communication from the editor of the newsletter. Uh, you get that personal voice. Um, if it is a newsletter, I, I'm not sure why would I want to put a sponsor ad on the right. Uh, I can't imagine Hewlett Packard is that desperate to make you know 20 bucks from click-throughs on the right-hand side there. Sponsor may be the person. Uh, uh, Carrie's online right now. Carrie, are you the sponsor or is that someone else? I'm just going to ask that Nick because she's she's let us know that's her letter. I just I see her answer. And uh, and the subject line should make sense. She said it is. Well, now here it comes. I'm listening. Uh, just when you get a chance, Carrie, let us know what your intent is. It's a paid sponsorship for the newsletter, Nick. So it is. It's not her. It's a paid sponsorship. Right. So that 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 puzzles me with regard to what is the purpose of this newsletter. Um, now, it seems to me this, this follows the route of, of newsletters where you get like a, a brief introduction to the feature article, but it says continue uh, arrow, arrow. So it looks to me like the purpose is to get people to click through to the website. Um, and, 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 and again, having a sponsor banner is, works against that purpose because you're going to lose a bunch of people to the banner rather than having them come to your site and read the full article. Uh, okay. I'm not sure I'm seeing it correctly. I know it's a mock-up, but I'm hoping that the final design looks a little smoother and more sophisticated than this. Okay. All right. Well, let's just move on. Let's go to another one. Um, this is HP, and we're going to open that up and let you take a look at it. And, Carrie, we may be able to help you some more with this privately, the one that you sent over as we're looking now. All right. So this is an instant rebate. Some of you have instant rebates going out. Let's take a look at that. By the way, I want to just point something out for you that are still online. In the next session, we're going to drill down deeper with examples on the actual principles with urgency and other factors that we've discovered, show you some data and some more tests. But then we're just going to go from email after email after email. And we're going to try to pick the best ones that come in and start with those and optimize the very best ones. We did not cherry-pick for horrible emails here. We tried to take a selection of good, bad, and best as we designed this and from cross-industries. But I'd like to spend a lot of time optimizing emails that are already good in this next one. Uh, so now we're looking at this email. Please continue to send in your thoughts. I'm watching them as they're coming in. And, uh, and uh, I'm looking at the email itself. So this goes out to someone, I suppose, in the, the inbox as an ad. Your thoughts, uh, Jimmy? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, what's I actually, that? What, what's kind of funny is I actually have uh, experience with Cinex. It's a, it's a computer park distributor, and yes. uh, most of the times when you get a mailing like this, this is usually to internal reps at Cinex. So, for example, the companies that that are buying products from this distributor. Um, they would be getting them, so this is not going to end users. This is going to sales reps within a company. For example, Cinex might sell to buy.com. Yes. This email would be going to buy.com reps. And so it's not okay. – I think I think that, that that's a little bit that I would know that 
I'm not sure who submitted this, but it's not going. I can 99% guarantee that it's not going to end user. So my, this is a business to business email. At the, at the, at the bottom says contact your Synex rep sales up today. That's because it's it's your reseller rep. It's buy.com calling Synex to get these or to to purchase these. So the one thing I would do to totally, I actually have a radically different option. I would help them sell this to their end user and not try to sell a rep on it just because it has a rebate. So to me, this, this, the objective, objective of their email was to, to HP was to get this out to the sales reps, give them a big rebate. But the problem is the, the rebate's great, they make more money, but what they really needed to do was help them sell it to their customer. So I would have made it, this is almost like a, a five-step guide how to sell these two HP products to your customer. These are the major features. These are why they're better than the other brands of printers uh, compared to Lexmark or uh you know, there's probably 20 different computer printer manufacturers out there, but basically do some kind of comparison that shows that this is the best one, and not only is it the best one, but it also has these rebates. And, and so that type of information would help the customer buy, buy a, make a buying decision and help them sell more to the customers because a lot of times if they can't sell to the customers, they're not going to buy extra products from this distributor. So this one's actually a little more difficult than it initially looks. Yes, yes, yes. Jimmy, that's... That's it. That's it. There's a lot of insight in what you're suggesting there. I almost feel like this is specialized, and I'm being very careful. I'm trying to serve a wide audience. Please be patient with us. There's hundreds of you online, and I think let me just see how many of you have been asking questions thus far that we've been trying. 548 questions have come in. Uh, so, if this is something that we can help uh, you with, Tom, I see that you're, you work with this organization. Let us know. We'll do our best to help you. I can just suggest to you that as an email, I don't think, unless it's a very exceptional case, it's going to be very effective. And Jimmy's suggesting a completely different strategy in terms of the content itself. And uh, I would agree with that. I I have a real issue with people using the Internet's email capacity as if it were simply an ad server. I'm not suggesting that that's wrong. I'm just suggesting that in test after test that I've made, it misses the whole point about email. Email is a letter, and you miss the opportunity to build relationship, and that works in B2B, it works in B2C, it works in everything, because people don't buy from websites, and people don't buy from inboxes, people buy from people, and we keep trying to get them to buy from some virtual peer-to-peer connection point in the you know, internet world and forget the fact that you know just because an ad pops in my inbox like it came off a fax machine doesn't mean it's going to help me effectively um, I'd like to look I'm out of time how can I help you go to one more go to great gadgets if you guys will give me five more minutes oh we did that go up to have we done this one no have we done this one Okay. All right, and then look at my time. All right, I'm being told I'm being told that I've I've got to move with time. Switch back to the PowerPoint presentation. Let me just tell you what's coming up in our next one. And I'll rather than do it too fast now and not do it well, we're, we've extended this into two sessions. Um would you comment on what you'd like to see more of in the next session and we'll take that into account as we're designing the final version of this? We're going to discuss the envelope elements, deliverability, urgency, intrinsic timing, 
and other key factors, and then we're going to be showing you data, and then we're going to be going through other emails. It's hard to serve an audience of this size and be relevant to everyone, so I appreciate your patience, but if you will talk to me uh, about these things, it will help us because we can, we can essentially improve every time we do this. And I want to make certain sure that we're getting the information that you need and getting it to you as we try to serve you. Uh, I've been asked to point out to you that we also have the email marketing clinic coming up where we teach all of these things, uh, again, in more detail. And you're, I think there's information about it on your screen. Uh, there's an opportunity to get in, at least on the list. We're not offering that yet, I don't think. Is that correct, Eric? It's not available, so I'm not selling you anything. Uh, but it is coming. It's a certification program, and when it's available, we'll let you know about it. Please, before you go, take a moment to tell us if today was helpful. I'd like to know that. And if you'd like to do more programs like this, and also let us know what you'd like us to see, uh, like us to do for you in the session in two weeks in part two of this program. Thank you for your trust. We'll keep researching if you'll keep asking questions. Thank you.